we already this is the, this is crazy. I didn't plan on getting into this, but just very quickly, you know, we carry any answer you want. I can give you answers within 30 seconds about past and present, about space, about the earth, about the human body. I'll give you the most complex mathematical uh, answer you can ask me. You give me 30 seconds to a minute's time, and I will find you the answer. And I carry that in my pocket at all times. And it'll be very quickly what they're going to do, and this has already been talked about for a long time, but it's coming. It's already in the works that it's inconvenient to have to reach into my pocket and pull out a phone why not just put a chip in my brain? You can call that sci-fi today, but tell our parents about this cell phone back when they were kids or even just 30 years ago. And even if you tried to describe it, how could you, right? How could you possibly describe? We were just talking about virtual reality, you know, for a couple hundred dollars. Try to describe. It's a world. It's not real, but it seems real. Like, how do you even describe it? So, you know, we are bombarded in this information age with so much stuff. And because of that, our minds are so busy and so filled like never before with information and ideologies and, uh, and, and your mind is actually calculating and micromanaging uh, everything that's going on all day, every day without you even knowing it. And really... The greats, when we read our word, were those that meditated on the Lord, who really just pulled away from society. They stayed away. They were out in the wilderness, right? All these, the greats of the word of God pulled away often, or they just didn't have a ton of contact with people, not because they didn't like them. In fact, God made them go to the people and give them what God gave them. But because they needed to be a pure and a separated person, and so sometimes when we hear there's a plan and a purpose of God and there's still a plan and God's still in control and God's still in charge, you are, part of your mind hears it and says yes, and then there's this subconscious part of you that you don't even realize is actually in there, which is doubting and calculating. You don't even know it until push comes to shove. Like when pressure really gets going, that's when worries and fears and figuring it all out comes to the surface. Now that reveals that that was in you all along. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. It was in you. You just didn't know it. Isn't that amazing? And so we must listen to the Lord today and listen to his word and listen to his promises over what the news says and over what society says and what culture says and so on. Amen. God, as I was speaking last week, has a plan. In fact, the Bible says that it was God's prearranged. Everybody say prearranged. It was his prearranged plan, in fact. Jesus was prearranged. Now, God did not make us sinners. That is a lie because humans, we have to try to figure God out. We have to try to figure out the Bible. God did not make us sinners. He made us holy. 
He made us righteous. He made us pure. He made us in his image. We sinned and pushed away. Now, Jesus, beforehand, before time, Jesus was already. Jesus was already. Jesus was already. Come on, I want you to say this. Jesus was already. He was not created to deal with sin, but God knew, because God is outside of time, God's looking at time like a circle, and within that circle are events, and it's not necessarily a timeline like us. So Jesus is in there, and our sin is in there, and our impurity is in there, so he has an answer to deal with it, but it was not us walking away from God that then sparked this idea, okay, well, I'll just send my son and he'll deal with the issue. It was prearranged. Everybody say it again, prearranged. God has a prearranged plan for us. And I also said a statement that God's right on time all the time. I want you to say that out loud. God is right on time all the time. He has a plan and it's prearranged and there's a timing. It's not just a plan, but his has, he has a perfect timing. And I highlighted last week that even tells us the exact time that, you know, it was noon and it starts to get dark and at three o'clock about Jesus' death, right? It tells us timings. And even the demons, when Jesus dealt with the demons, they said to him, you know, don't, you, are you going to, you know, is this the time? You know, don't deal with us before the time. You know, you have to wait till the time. There's a timing. And I read this verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. On the day when Christ Jesus returns, it says, then it'll be finally finished. But there is a process. God is working through a process that is step by step, day by day, season by season, mountaintops and valleys. Now, we're judging and micromanaging God in the valleys. The mountaintops, we're rejoicing and praising God is good. We get into the valleys, you know, where's God? God's abandoned us. And that's where we must cleave to his promises. We must know, well, he told us that he's going to finish, and it's not even going to be finally finished. Until Christ returns, it's not finished. So if it's not finished, then what is God doing? The Bible tells us he's continuing. He's still working. Everybody say he is still working. God did not take a vacation till the end times. Jesus did not just raise from the dead and then say, well, I'll see you in a couple thousand years. Do you know the Bible even promises us this? And I love, I love, love, love this about the word of God. It says that Jesus is actually sitting at the right hand of God pleading for us and praying for us. Present tense. 
It's amazing, you know, when somebody intercedes for you. Don't you love when someone says, I'm praying for you, but you really know they are. Not just like, I'll pray for you, but you really know they are. And it's so encouraging. Just imagine this, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, risen from the dead, is praying for you. And that's so, we just, we can be filled with so much hope and so much peace. And we must, so I just want to continue for just a few minutes. I'm going to try to not speak long, as long. I apologize. I want to bring God's word and I want to bring as he tells me, but I don't intend to speak so long. So um, just bear with me and I'm gonna, you guys can just put your hands up and say we're done when, time, when you guys are done with time. But I just want to go into this, that God has a timing that is his own, and he will finish what he started. And in the meantime, everybody say, in the meantime, there's a season, say this, there's a season of waiting. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you today about waiting. Everybody loves to wait. We, just, we, we live in a society that's just so patient. We are a pa very patient society. You ever notice how dusty your microwave gets? Because we're just such a patient society, right? Yes, New Yorkers especially, right? We all have dusty microwaves because we're just like the most patient people ever. I want to talk to you today about waiting and about patience. It says in Ecclesiastes 3 that there's a time for everybody, everything. Say there's a time for everything. It goes on in Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, goes through the verses just saying that there's a time and there's a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born, verse 2, and there's a time to die. I talked about that quote a couple of weeks ago, right from Stonewall Jackson. There is a time that we are on this earth and then there's an end. There's a time to plant, and there's a time to harvest. Everybody say, there's a time to plant, and there's a time to harvest. A little hint, that's going to be a good portion of our service today, planting and harvesting, that there is a time in between. You've prayed, you've believed, and then there's this waiting time that we don't like before the harvest. What you have to do is... You have to be a child that watched their parent. Let's go back. We're in the 1800s now. No modern technology, no grocery stores, all right? When I plant the seed in the ground, the reason I don't dig that dirt up and check to see if it's growing is because I've been born and raised since I was little. I was out there, you know, three years old with my parents because that's what the family did. And I helped them plant their garden so we had food right, in harvest time. And I saw it year after year after year. What you need to do now as an adult in the kingdom of God is you need to focus on this, that God had a time that you had to wait. God had a time that he made you deal with things, and then there was a time where you reap the harvest of that season. And you need to focus on God's faithfulness and his promise in the waiting. You need to know that there will be a harvest because God does not let anything go to waste. God is so good and so kind and so merciful that even 
he takes worthless, useless, and the Bible even says that he works everything, all things, everything out for the good to those who love him are called according to his purpose. Even your worst mistakes, even your, your lowest miseries, right? They, who has learned, you want to change, <laughs> you, want, you wish you could change the circumstances and the hurts, but you don't want to change the growth that you gain from it, right? Who has gone through it and now says, well, I may want to, I wish I could change some of the circumstances, but I really don't want to get rid of the strengths I have now because of those seasons, there's another saying in Christianity that says God is up to something and it's good. We just don't know what it is. We don't know his process, but we know this, that there's a planting and they're harvesting. There's, and, and it goes on that there's a season for everything. Ecclesiastes, that's a hard word to say today. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 goes on, a time for everything. Even verse 8, a time for war and a time for peace. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, says this. He says, this vision is for a future time, or your translation might say, an appointed time. Everybody say, an appointed future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. Everybody say, it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, or your translation might say, if it tarries, wait patiently, for it will surely, everybody say, surely, take place. It will not be delayed. This is so funny. In older translations, New King James Version, it says, if it tarries, Wait patiently, it will not tarry. What it's saying is, and I like the way that the NLT goes, okay, I figured it out. I know what this writer is trying to say to me. It seems like it's tarrying, but it's really not. It seems like it's slow in coming, but it will not be delayed. That means that it came, the answer came for your life, the things that you've been believing God for, the things you've been praying for, the things that you thought would happen, the things that you gave to the Lord, they are still in the perfect timeline in his heart and mind, outside of our timeline, and it will not be delayed. Aren't you encouraged already today? Who's encouraged by the Lord? It will not be delayed. That means that he knows what he's doing, and that we are in a season right now, this is what I just... I just I sought the Lord, and I felt like this is a season of waiting. And I heard, I've been hearing that word out there in the grapevine, Christianity, right? Everybody know what that is, the grapevine? When I grew up, we used to call that the grapevine, right? Because the grapevine is Christians scattered throughout the world. We're all connected to the vine, right? So we're all different grapes. We're all connected to the same vine. So the Lord is speaking things, and one grape... Here's the same thing that another grape hears because it's all the same vine, the same Holy Spirit. Amen. So I've been hearing it in the grapevine, and I don't like to just, I don't go on YouTube and listen to all the different preachers and prophets and then put together a sermon, but I hear it all. I'm aware of what is saying, but I want the Lord to say it to me, 
as well. I want to hear it from him, even if I'm hearing it from them, and I hear that's that's the Lord's word for this church on this day. But I've been hearing it out there, and then I felt like the Lord just brought it for today, the waiting, just to speak it today, the waiting and the patience to bring it to this church for this morning. That that's the season we're in. There has been a season of sowing, a season of prayer, a season of fasting. That doesn't mean we're not going to continue, and I'm going to get to that in these next minutes. But there is a season in between. Everybody say the in between. In the meantime, right? That's where we're at. But we must know right now. I'm filled with faith because I know that he says it will be fulfilled. And when I read through my word, even things that took thousands of years to happen, God answered every single prayer. He answered every single prophecy. At some point, some way, some shape, some form, he dealt with it. Now, you could pray an unholy prayer. You can pray a prayer that is outside of God's word, and then you wonder, why didn't it get answered? It doesn't mean God didn't answer your prayer. He just didn't give you what you were asking for. (laughs) He gave you what you needed. Meanwhile, you think God didn't answer my prayer, and God's like, I answer every single prayer. But you were praying for black, and I gave you white, (laughs) right? You were praying for a left-hand turn. I gave you a right-hand turn. But I answered your prayer. I just answered it better than you prayed for it. Wow. God is dealing with things in the supernatural right now, present tense. And I want to look at that, too. I just had so many things. Just keep me focused here because I want to get to these things. The Lord is doing things behind the scenes, and we must just be patient. We must learn to wait on God and be patient in His timing of promises, miracles, times, and seasons. And here's why. Do you know that God himself is patient? You know that the Bible says that God is patient. So to be patient is to be godly. Who wants to be godly? This is what it says about God's patience. It says in the book of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, says, I want to remind you, That in the last days, scoffers will come. And you've heard me mention this verse many times recently. And I feel like we need to read this again. Scoffers will come and they will mock the truth and follow their own desires. There is a great desire within humanity now to define themselves in any way, shape, or form that they want. You can be anything. I say, <laughs> I'm, de- I'm going to define myself. I've decided my new identity. I know this is a little weird, but I've decided officially I'm going to be a tree. That's my, you can't touch that. That's my identity. That's what I want to be. That's who I am. That's how I identify myself. And who are you to judge me? I'm a tree now. I know, call me crazy, and, and yet that's exactly where we're at. Mock the truth and yet just follow their own desires, the epitome of your own desires. You just do whatever you want, whoever you want, 
You just make it up. Make up your own God. In fact, don't make up a God. You're your God. You're God. You're God. There is no God. You're God. And it says this, though. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From the times, before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. But you must not forget this one thing, verse 8. Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. This is why I always tell you, you know, God's time is not our time. God lives in another dimension, and thank God that his dimension is higher than ours, but that he's not so high that he didn't... Jesus humbled himself, the Bible says, and lowered himself and came down to our lowly state and cleaved together with us and took us into that dimension with God. Isn't that incredible? And yet, while the earthly body is still living in this time, in the meantime, in the space between salvation and eternity where your soul and where your spirit is already, in the meantime, God is doing things, but his time is not like ours. And the Bible says in verse 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think isn't that amazing god is actually not being slow about his promise you're saying but god i've been praying for 15 years about this and god says to you what is 15 years he says come up to my time and I'll show you a thousand years. I live in the thousand. You live in the days. I live in thousands. Isn't that incredible? A thousand years. It's just a day. He's trying to get us to understand, right? This is the weirdest thing about time. Who's had a painful experience in your life? I mean, physical pain. The only thing that you have now is a memory. And as much as you remember the pain, it's still only a file in the computer of your brain. And all you can do is access a, a feeling as best as you can render up to what that was. But it's not real anymore. It was a glimpse. It was a space that you were in for that time being, but the moment it was over, right? This is that insanity that comes to women after they have babies. They're laying there. They're not even finished getting cleaned up. And they're like, honey, ready to have another one. The husband's going, he's exhausted. And I'm glad Dawn actually got to sit beside not just that she went through birth but sat beside other women going through birth so now she can understand what I feel because the man doesn't get enough credit. He's exhausted as well because he's emotionally and physically exhausted. He was up those hours with her and he's every time, you know, he, he's helpless. You can't do anything to help them. Meanwhile, they're looking at you like, do something. 
And so Dawn understands that because she has been. She said, it's not the same, but I understand. But that insanity comes because all you can do with even a moment ago, the moments that we've already had church so far, all you can do is render up a few words that I've said. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, the words I've said, and that you don't care. You might be able to tell me five words, if that, that I've already spoken for those last 20 minutes. Because it's just passing away. It's just a vapor. It's just wisping away. So sometimes we live in this space saying, God, where are you? And you haven't done it. And it's been 15 years. It's been 20 years. It's been 50 years. I've been believing for this child to be saved. I've been believing for this friend. I've been believing for this miracle. And God's looking at it like this. Just like that. Now, I had an experience with God. Some people don't believe that you can have these type of experiences, but no one's ever going to tell me I didn't have it. A very good friend of ours um, was dying of cancer, stage four, and in the hospital. And I, I actually got really sick. I mean, in the natural, it was something like food poisoning. But what happens is, is it actually, I start throwing up so many times that I pass out. Only time in my life that I've ever done that. I literally passed out. Uh, I wasn't even living at my parents. I was mowing lawns professionally, and I told my guy, which was TJ at the time, hey, I don't feel good, and I, you got to keep mowing lawns, and I'm just going to go to my parents because it's nearby. I don't feel good, and, and, I, and I ended up passing out in their basement on the floor, like just out. I don't even know how it happened, out. And while I'm out, I have a dream, and in the dream, Jesus and this woman who was dying are in heaven. And he says to her, because people have been praying and fasting for her, her son, her one son, fasted for two straight weeks at like 15 years old. No food, no water, maybe some water, but no food for two weeks at a 15-year-old. And so Jesus says to her, I have to send you back. And she says to him in this little Brooklyn accent, I mean, I know it was her because, I mean, you can't, I can't, I couldn't dream it good enough. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. No, Jesus, but pleading with him, no. She says they'll be fine. And it's because... She had a, now when I wake up, I had a text message on my phone that she had died. The exact time. But she didn't abandon them. She had a revelation when she was looking into Jesus' eyes. I could see them coming up behind her. Because in this time, they lived this whole life and they had children and grandchildren but in heaven, they're right there. They're right behind me. It's just a moment. There was a movie that came out a few years ago. It's called Interstellar. Anybody ever seen it? Just a whacked out movie. It's clean. You know, Christian, you could watch it. But what it does is they kind of get into space time. To basically, based on how fast or slow a planet spins, 
if you are on that, it's in the future we're able to go on planets, by the way, just a little spoiler. But if you are on this particular planet that spins fast or slow, time is different. So here on Earth, it's going at one speed. They land on a planet that's moving faster, so it's like seven years, you know, for a few minutes here. And it's just a movie, but it was a glimpse into God's time and God's perspective and, and our time and our perspective. And so we, we need to know this, that we need to, be, we need to wait in patience, not because God is sadistic and just says, I'm going to make you suffer. Let's see how long you can sit there and squirm. You know, a child, when a parent, okay, who is, who is not too old enough to remember your parent looking at you and you thought your parent was so mean? Is anybody not, you know, like, I think those memories go with us for our entire lives. If I would get spanked, and you know what? I don't think spanking was bad. I think I deserved every single one of them. I thought my dad was so mean, and he would laugh when I was crying. And we didn't understand. But what I, I understand as an adult, what he's laughing at is, why are you being so hysterical? I'm barely even touching you. This is way more drama then this moment needs to be. But in my perception, he was being mean. And when a parent grounds a child to the corner or to sit down for, what, three minutes? And it's an eternity, and I, my parent, they don't understand. This is so unfair. And then the parent is like, you've been in that corner for three minutes. But you'll never, ever convince, you can't even teach the child that until they have had a new revelate, a different perception. There's another, I don't want, I'm not trying to use new age words, but God is in another dimension. And so as an adult, you are at another mentality. You are not the same mental, your brain literally, scientifically has grown. It's a different brain. It's the same thing initially, but it's. You know, you have new synapses and new ideas that were not there then. So your brain isn't essentially scientifically new. So you can understand what you couldn't, even if I tried to teach you about time, you couldn't get it. Who's being encouraged by the Lord today? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No. In fact, he is being patient. What? He is being patient, it says, for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I just started, I spent some time with the Lord in this little thing here, this little chunk of scripture I was meditating some deep things here because sometimes when someone is especially evil in the earth, even as Christians, we think, Lord, I hope they die. I just want them to die. And I heard someone say this, and I, you know, we know this. If you had a glimpse of hell for one second... You wouldn't wish the worst person on the earth who has ever lived eternity in hell. And that evil person deserves the same grace and mercy, even though you don't think they do, 
that God's given you. But we gauge evil in the earth. God doesn't do that. God's got good and evil. You ready? Let me show you. Good, evil. There is no gray in God. You know what gray is? It's called grace. Gray is grace. There is a grace period. Time equals grace. Thank God for time. Even though he doesn't operate in it, imagine he made us live. Wow, now we're getting deep. But imagine he made you live in his time. You would be in hell. Because let me just go here for just a minute. Even the purest Christian in here, the holy, Dan's the holiest Christian in this room. That's obvious. That's, I know the Lord. I know he's got a deeper relationship with the Lord than me. That's okay. I'm not offended. He spends 12 hours a day here at the church praying every day. I don't know why he doesn't have a cot. We should actually have like a really nice queen mattress for him at this point. I'd say a cot. He lives here. But Dan and I, even for a microsecond, have had evil thoughts. Imagine God decided, here's the moment. You know what it says? Well, to finish that thought, let me read actually the rest there in Peter. It says, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Imagine you in your microsecond of weakness was the time God said, judgment's here. And then you just get a glimpse, whoa, 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 of his grace and his mercy and why evil is allowed to continue on the earth because, but we say, but God, they're evil, I'm righteous. And he's looking from heaven saying, I gave you a chance, I'm giving them a chance. But you say, but Lord, you gave me a chance, but I was a better person. I deserved a chance. Wrong. It's a, I, I, I'm preaching this, but it's still like, I'm sitting here on that row also blown away by the Lord right now. I mean, I'm saying the words, but I don't, my human mind doesn't even fully get and fathom the depth of his grace and his mercy. That many times what God is up to is about grace. And we want to help him with his grace. We want to dictate to God when his grace is up. And God will decide. God will decide who gets grace and how long they get grace. And we cannot do that for him. And I'm so thankful that he gave me time. Who in here is thankful that God gave you time? <laughs> so that means that where I'm at in the universe right now, like where this earth is, where time is, those that are ruling this earth right now, as much as I want God to deal with evil in my time right now, I prayed it, deal with evil, deal with the evil people, God, in his unfathomable grace and mercy, outside of 
our time, but in his time, in perfection, has a timeline for each and every one of those individuals, just as he had for me. And if they are not saved yet, then the only thing we should be saying is, God, give them grace. Give them time to repent. Wow. I was just blown away. The Lord will judge. I want to just come on now. Simultaneously, I re I just said verse 10 a little bit differently, but it's the same words. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly. This is what I want you to hear. Ready? I want to say the same words. Just I'm just going to emphasize different words in that verse and watch how this verse comes out. But the day of the Lord will come. Do you hear what I just said? I just said he's not being slow. He's being patient. But the day of the Lord will come. That means two things. Number one, I want to be right. That's the way we live, right? We live not thinking I've got time because I don't know the time I have. I'm not going to assume that I can live in sin for another season and get away with it, and God's got grace for me. I don't want to assume that just because maybe he actually does. I don't know that. You don't know that. All you know is that you, the only breath you're guaranteed, you ready, is the one you just breathed. Not even the one you're taking in now. There was no guarantee of that breath. The same time, so I want to be right, but it also means this to hold on to. There is a day, even though you don't wish God to judge evil people, there is a day, though, to give you hope that God will deal with all the evil on the earth. In the meantime, you pray for grace for them and mercy for those people because you do not wish, if you could get a glimpse, those that will, that will not repent, those who refuse to make the Lord their Lord, and they refuse his grace and mercy that was given freely without cost on their part, except acceptance. They will be judged. We don't wish that, and we don't pray for that. We say, Lord, come quickly, but not before you haven't saved every single person that will be saved. Amen. Amen. He's good, isn't he? The Bible says a lot about waiting, and I just want to get, you know, maybe into it a little bit, uh, maybe into next week. Again, I don't want to take too much time, so I'll bring this together. There's a few things. The Bible says that in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus was eating with his disciples. This is post-resurrection. And he says, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The New King James says he commands them not to depart. Everybody say, not depart. But to wait. Everybody say, but to wait for the promise of the Father. 
It says in verse 12, Then they returned to Jerusalem, and when they had entered, they went up into the upper room. And it says in verse 14, that these all continued with one accord in New King James Version, in one accord in prayer and supplication, or you may know it, the NLT, as constantly united in prayer. God has his timeline, and every single person has a number of breaths, breaths to breathe. What do we do in the meantime? And it's so simple. I've said it to you many times. The Lord constantly reminds me. That's what the Bible is, right? The Bible is one thought for 1,300 pages because we're that dense. We need to be reminded over and over and over again. But it says here that we must wait for the promise what we do, Jesus ultimately is going to come and he's going to wrap this whole scroll up. He's going to wrap this earth up. He's going to deal with every single evil that was done in the earth throughout time. The great white seat of judgment, he will deal with every single person, every single thing, every single thought, every single word. That day is coming. It's a fact. In the meantime, we have this hope that he has not abandoned us, that we have the Holy Spirit, and in fact, we actually have tools, and we have a plan from God, which is this. Be united in prayer. Let the Holy, wait for the Holy Spirit, and they then continued, you can go through your Bible, to stay united in prayer through the Holy Spirit, and then they operated in an earth that hated them, ultimately killed every single one of them. They operated in an earth that hated God, that was human, that was about its own kingdoms, its own agendas. And they operated in that world, separated from the world, but in the world like Jesus told us to be through the power of the Holy Spirit, united with him in prayer. And I believe that that's what the Lord is giving to us as an answer right now. What do we do right now? I just want you to stay close to me. I want you to be intimate with me. This is a moment for us to be intimate with the Lord. In this moment right now, this is actually a gift from God. You know what the farmer has between sowing and reaping you ready and what does time equal rest you want to grow your own food good luck because you're going to be up at 4 a.m you're going to work till dark so the farmer when he plants all his seeds you know what they weren't in a rush to harvest why finally had a break and I can rest till I have to harvest. I got to work to harvest, by the way. Harvest, we want to reap from the Lord, right? Well, reaping means work. You are, imagine the farmer when he goes to reap and he says, man, I wish I had just learned to wait on the Lord and just rest because the moment the Holy Spirit came to them in the book of Acts, 
They came down to that upper room, man, and they hit the ground running. And like I said, they came back in many times, just came, withdrew, came back in, got to that place with the Lord. Because when he finally moved on them with the Holy Spirit like he had promised, they were so busy about the kingdom of God. But there was a moment in between where actually they could just rest and stay with the Lord, let the Lord do something in, inside them, let the Lord work on them, let the Lord work in their hearts. And this is where we need to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this. It says, verse 58, My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Here's the thing. God will move us into different seasons and into different things. He'll call us to fast and pray, and he'll call us to go out and to do things for him. And at times where he calls us into his chambers and says, I want you to rest in me. I want you to wait in me. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to know I have a plan, I have a purpose, I'm doing things, I'm working behind the scenes, I'm dealing with things, but I want you to spend, you just soak in me because that season is coming. There are other seasons coming. Seasons are, will change again. But in this season, the immovableness is that, there, that we are planted on the rock of Jesus Christ. He is the rock, and where Jesus moves, we'll move. When he moves into another season, we move with him, but we stay planted and immovable in him. We let the Lord move. We don't go running around and moving. We let the Lord move, right? Who has done things in your own strength and wished that you had just waited and rested in the Lord? And that's that immovableness, and yet we're still moving. It says be immovable, but work enthusiastically. How do you do that? How do you be immovable? Immovable means you don't move, and yet you work enthusiastically. I'm not moving from this Christ. This is the rock that I built upon, and it's the only thing that will ever last for eternity. And as he moves, then I'll move. Amen. And so in the meantime, we must be patient. We must not just get through. It says in Revelations chapter 2, remember what he said to the church of Ephesus? He said, I, I saw you, you did all these things, and you persevered, and you were patient, and you labored for my name. He said, but I have this against you, verse 4, you've left your first love. And he's just reminding them, he says in verse 5, uh, remember therefore where you've fallen, New King James, repent and do the first works. And he says, basically to them, uh, you know, if you don't, I'm going to come and I, I will have to deal with things. I'm a God that is just, there will be a moment. But he gives them a chance to repent, and what he's telling them to do is Ephesus was given a warning that you must not, in the season of, of what happens is, is we get so, the Lord gets us going, we get fasting, we get praying, and then we just want him to do something, we want him to move, and then we forget, we forget in all of that, that we have to come back to his heart and just rest in him and let him do it. Amen. Does that make sense? But sometimes we've become like emotionally attached to what we've been praying for and believing for and fasting for that we're like, okay, let's make this happen. And God says, no, no, no. You did the sowing. Now I want you to rest in me. I'm the one, right? It says that we sow the seed, but God causes the growth, right? We sow the seed, but God causes the growth. 
Let God do now what he's doing. And this is actually a gift from him in this season, to rest in him and to wait in him and watch what he does. In the meantime, we're going to be spending time with him. We're praying for grace and mercy on all those who have refused to repent. We're praying for them. We're blessing them. We're praying for blessing over this nation. And we're actually going to have an amazing time with the Lord personally. We're going to have an incredible time in his presence. Meanwhile, we're seeing the evil outside, but it's not going to be, that's not going to affect us. It's not going to dictate our day, and we're not going to just let them also be an evil, right? And just become evil, and that's it. That's the path they've chosen, so be it. But we're going to be praying for them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. I pray, Lord, you plant this word down deep in our hearts, God. And just like I've stated, that you cause it to grow, God. You do it. It's been said. It's been spoken. Your word is out there now, Lord. You cause it to grow into a tree of life, gives us, Lord, fruit, and we just pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this intimacy and this time that we have with you, this place that we have with you, God, and this heart that you're calling us into with you, that, Lord, we're not going to be so impatient and so busy that we forget, Lord, and I thank you that you caused us. You told us to pray. You told us, Lord, to 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 be about this season, but Lord, not so much that then we don't return back and we spend this intimate time with you now and just wait in you. Thank you, Lord, just like soldiers, that we go out and we come back, and we go out and we come back, and this is a moment that you've told us to stay in you and to watch you move. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.